0: Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnar. And I'm Robert Bucciolato. Robert, obviously, we're uh, having this conversation in 2020, and as time goes on, 2020 feels like A bad combination of 1918 and 1968, President Trump playing the dual role of Woodrow Wilson, who was our president in 1918, and Spiro Agnew, who was the governor of Maryland in 1968 and and, uh, the Republican vice presidential nominee uh, in 1968. He was on the ticket with Richard Nixon. Seems like he's a perfect hybrid of those two characters. So anyway, let's talk a little bit today about 1968 in Florida. We've talked about Leroy Collins previously and so much of 1968 was defined by Leroy Collins as the Democratic nominee, as a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate for George Smathers' seat. And then, of course, that presidential election where Richard Nixon was the Republican nominee, where Hubert Humphrey was the Democratic nominee, and where George Corley Curly Wallace, the governor of Alabama, the segregationist, was running as a third-party candidate and had large swaths of support in the state of Florida, uh, and I think probably won more counties than anyone, and then the other two candidates in the state of Florida, even though we finished third in the popular vote. But anyway, Robert, 1968, so important to talk about in 2020.
1: Yeah, um, we're, we're definitely living in a very unusual and trying times, and uh, it is, I I, I, don't, I don't even think you, say comforting but it, i guess it's it's at least um moderately pleasing to know that we're not the first americans that have gone through such a year of hell as what 2020 is shaping to be um 1968 was a heart-wrenching year and uh, 1918 was was bad but uh 1968 was a was a heart-wrenching year and um in terms of presidential politics it was a nightmare all around for the democrats you started it off with a um sitting embattled incumbent president who was um going to run for re-election, and then he got pummeled by Eugene McCarthy um, in New Hampshire. Uh, he won over Eugene McCarthy, I believe, but it was very close.
0: 49-42, um, which was essentially... Yeah. A
1: yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a, a horrible nail-biter. So you had, going into um, the Florida primary, it went from, um, you know, another... Democratic president is running for re-election, um, so it's you know business as usual. Don't even bother. We have one candidate. We're going to consolidate, and that's it. To an absolute open field with only a few months before the convention, and so you have um, if if. Uh, Spiro Agnew and Woodrow Wilson is um, now being revisited by Donald Trump then you could say that Richard Nixon and Hubert Humphrey is the, the perfect embodiment of um, Joe Biden yes. it was somebody that had to struggle to get the nomination from his party and uh, both of them were, were vice presidents, one incumbent, one former. And both of them surprisingly actually had the same message. Both of them were talking about ending the Vietnam War. Both of them were talking about, um, you know, some sort of policing reform, but they were still very big, um, you know, law and order candidates. And both of them had the same message, which is what, um, biden is now his campaign is trying to do which is the whole concept of bring bring us together in particular that was what richard nixon was selling was bring us together and what made situations for the democrats even more perilous was you saw the immersion of uh the (laughs) the the black sheep of the democratic party in the form of uh a, a certain governor from Alabama um, who is infamous and who um, inserted himself into this uh, campaign.
0: So, so let's, and, let, actually, let's mention yeah. that Richard Nixon. Yeah, uh, Robert, let's mention Richard Nixon had a lot of Biden in him. And I think uh, profile wise, fairly similar in terms of their experience in terms of their understanding of kind of a macro concepts, geopolitics, etc. Nixon's instinct in 1968 was to co-opt Wallace by picking Spiro Agnew, the most reasonable facsimile he could find of, of Wallace in the Republican Party and putting him on the ticket. Agnew was very, very different than Nixon, but uh, it allowed Nixon in To co-opt Wallace enough, he obviously didn't co-opt them everywhere uh, and and with every potential Wallace voter, but co-opt them enough to win the election. We don't know um, what Biden's thinking as we record this. Now, I'm aware that when we release this, maybe Biden would have selected his nominee, unlikely. Uh, But uh, if it is, we don't know if Biden's thinking the same thing, that he has to co-opt some element of the opposition, or if he needs to go and uh, co-opt or reach out to the, to the far left, um, and pick a running mate from, from the left, or if he's just going to reinforce his own strengths with a running mate. So anyway, the point is Nixon needed to co opt Wallace to win the election. He didn't have any of George Wallace's, um, racism or, 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 or ability to really kind of, uh, uh, connect with, uh, uh, the Wallace voter. However, he did co opt Wallace enough. By picking the most reasonable facsimile of wallace in the republican party in sparrow Agnew.
1: yes and um and ultimately wallace ended up uh breaking the whole back of the democratic party in florida and really allowed um probably one of the, the first great years for republicans in the state of florida and they were able to um, elect themselves a. US senator. they effectively killed uh, Leroy Collins' political career. He could have, as we mentioned in our last episode, could have gone on to run for other things but he was, you know pretty much over that stuff after this one uh, very bloody, very nasty US Senate race. Um, at the same time, Florida had just elected itself about two years ago, uh, their first Republican governor since Reconstruction. And this man, uh, even though he had only been in the governorship for about uh, that time, um, just two years, he had a massive slush fund from um, his... Uh, his um, friends and business and anybody that was trying to ingratiate themselves uh, with him to effectively travel around the country, jet setting, introducing himself, trying to push himself on um, conservative voters to become the Democratic, I mean, excuse me, the Republican nominee in 1968. And so there was this very odd, Um, (laughs) campaign among Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, and Claude Kirk in and around Florida to try and get the support of Floridians while they were trying to um, get the nomination and uh, ultimately um, Richard Nixon um, was able to get Claude Kirk to not run for president but instead decided to run for president and claude kirk kirk was um trying to court the uh support of both richard nixon and Nelson Rockefeller, uh, the liberal uh, Republican governor from New York, who was also running for president. So um, it was a very strange um, <laughs> time where you had a, a lot of movers and shakers of the former and the future Republican Party all vying for support with this uh, small budding emerging GOP in Florida. Yeah. At the same time, we had something um, that was pretty much a first, and that was we had a national convention, the Republican National Convention here in South Florida.
0: Yeah, the Republican National Convention was in Miami in 1968, and uh, you mentioned Nelson Rockefeller uh, of the liberal wing of the Republican Party. The more moderate wing uh, was represented, moderate to liberal wing was represented by George Romney uh, from Michigan, actually the father of a future nominee, Mitt Romney. Uh, from who has run from Massachusetts and Utah. Then you had Nixon somewhere in the middle and Reagan far right, according to Goldwater votes. And Nixon somehow was able to thread the needle and get enough of the Reagan support. Uh, And part of the strategy there was he got Strom Thurmond to back him, who would switch from Democrat to Republican from South Carolina over the issue of race. I mean, there's a great scene from uh, All the Way, the the movie about Lyndon Johnson and civil rights, right? That uh, was on HBO a few years ago, uh, where Johnson's reaction when Hubert Humphrey tells him Strom Thurman has decided to switch parties. (laughs) I just can see the way Brian Cranston played that. You know that his description of Thurman was probably how LBJ really felt about him, but. Nixon threads the needle. He gets the nomination. But I think it is so important to understand with his law and uh, law and order messaging that by putting Agnew on the ticket, he was able to co-opt Wallace. Wallace might have won Florida, quite frankly, without Agnew on the ticket. And uh, Wallace still won the majority of Florida counties, I believe. Uh, Humphrey carried Miami-Dade by a large margin, or Dade County as it was known then, uh, where Miami is, finished third in most of the counties in the rest of the state, and, and uh, barely finished above Wallace in the popular vote in the state. And again, that was largely just because of Dade County, which at the time had roughly you know, 28 to 30 percent of the state population. And, and uh, we'll talk about Dade a little more in the, when we talk about Leroy Collins in the Senate race. But um, what, you, what you really saw in that, and
1: what was so troubling... And what made it such a transformational election in Florida, in particular, was you saw um, this culmination of what had been the plan of the Republican Party um, post-civil rights to have a Southern strategy. And so this was the first election that we ever saw where the Democrats effectively lost the blue-collar, working-class, white male vote. And with the exception of a few different flirtations, like with Jimmy Carter and uh, 1992 for Bill Clinton, they've never really gotten that back. You know, 50 years
0: on, they've never earned that back. Yeah, that is correct. And in Florida, it's been... um, Yeah, it's been a downward spiral for the Democrats since even with Clinton, he struggled among those voters. Let's uh, switch to the Senate race. Leroy Collins, uh, one of the heroes, the Floridian of the century, one of the heroes of of Florida history, is running for the seat being vacated by George Smathers, who is not one of the heroes of Florida history, at least in our opinion, my opinion. Uh, Smathers... uh, Is stepping aside. Uh, Earl Faircloth, the conservative attorney general, challenges Leroy Collins in the Democratic primary and almost beats him. And in fact, when it looked like Collins was going to cruise to the nomination, Smathers started publicly uh, contemplating unretiring and running against Collins in the primary. Collins gets through the primary barely. And then faces a guy that the Republicans nominated by the name of Ed Gurney, whose uh, name lives in infamy now in terms of uh, uh, some of the uh, one of the worst elected officials, statewide elected officials, uh, or worst officials ever elected statewide from Florida. Uh, Collins loses overwhelmingly to Gurney in the general election. Uh, Collins wins Dade County uh, by uh over 20 points. It crushes them in, 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 uh, in Dade County, which at that time, as, as we've said before, uh, there were southern racially kind of charged elements of, of, of Dade County. There were also some very urban northern type areas uh, like Miami Beach. So much more liberal than the rest of the state. Collins wins Hillsborough barely. He wins Alachua barely. He bi- wins Monroe barely. He gets trounced in the rest of the state, including in his home county of Leon.
1: Sure. <laughs> Well, um, first off, it's um, it's always been very fascinating because uh, Leroy Collins has always said, um, or always said rather, that um, the 1968 election where he was defeated was the most meaningful um, event in his political career. That in a lot of ways, it was more important than his uh, successful races for governor. And what you saw was you saw for the first time, um, again, as I said, this is a very transformational election. We were now in a post civil rights. <clears throat> you saw what was traditionally democratic, um, demographics switching to Republican and you saw this emerge, emerging african-american vote that was breaking very very hard for the democrats and so that is something that has um it's only increased over time and so you you saw this man who really struggled with his views on race with his views on civil rights for a long time um faircloth um in reality, um, he lost due to the name recognition of Leroy Collins, but he was he was much more in step with the modern Florida Democrat at that time. So you see this man, uh, Leroy Collins, who basically um, sacrifices all of his place in modern Florida. And in the process um, is Turned into a hero by this, the new emerging Floridian, the, the new South Floridian, all these transplants that are coming over to Miami and, and South Florida, um, all of these, these different um, South and Central Florida um, very well populated, very uh, liberal progressive um, sections that are now um, seeing a lot more uh, representation in the uh, the state Senate, in the state House, and this emerging African-American vote in this increasing um, woman vote that is taking place, all of them loved Leroy Collins and became lifelong supporters of him, um, as odd as it sounds, due to his defeat, had he just been a governor. Um, I don't think the people would have ever, the more modern um, Floridians, I don't think they would have caught on to him, because their their main
0: exposure was the 68 election.
1: When when, um, Claude Kirk won the governorship in 1966, you saw um, for the first time an inkling that the Republican nomination statewide had value. In fact, when um, it looked as though uh, Claude Kirk was going to win the nomination and then go on to win the governorship, Um, they, they normally wouldn't have cared of the caliber of man that was getting the nomination. But in realizing that he might very well win the governorship, they tried to supplant him, the party. So they were coming to terms with the fact that um, they could actually start winning these things. And so um, there was a, a huge, hotly contested race um, in the Republican Party to get the, the Senate race. And there was, um, there was a lot of private squabbling about who would get it and uh, Claude Kirk worked as hard as he could to uh, pick his candidate and what, uh, what essentially happened was uh, the the Republicans they won so much in 1968 but they effectively planted the the seeds of their own defeat in the next decade because they couldn't really agree on a standard bearer they couldn't really agree on a platform and ultimately a lot of the figures that were very prominent in uh florida politics as republicans would go on to defeat about two years later
0: Yeah, Robert, 1970 was a disastrous year for Republicans in Florida. As bad as 66 and especially 68 were for Democrats in Florida, 1970 was that much worse for Republicans. And the Democrats established uh, victories and majorities in 1970 that would not be undone for well over a decade in this state. Uh, Thank you once again for listening to the Florida History Podcast. We'll be back with you next week.